awesome, awesome. Well, this morning, my wife and I and the elders of our church wanted to dedicate a special Sunday uh, to honor a couple and a family that has meant so much to our church. We're going to be doing things a little bit differently. It's going to be a really fun Sunday morning. I get to be Oprah for a little while and do an interview. Uh, so I am excited, and we're just so thrilled and honored. You know, as you know the history of this church, it, you know, as any church, it's not always been easy, and God brings people to you for specific times and seasons to really bring healing and stability and to walk a church through some difficult times. And at Coastline, we were so blessed because at a time in our history that was very difficult, God brought a man and his wife to this place to bring a healing and stability that this church needed. And you know, it's safe to say that without them, this church may not be here today. Because God critically used them to preserve this place, to bring it to where it is today. And we wanted to have a morning where we could honor them, love them, thank them for their faithful service. You know, at Coastline, we're, we're all about honor here. If we don't honor our past, God will not bless our future. And we want to honor the people that has served us, that have loved us, and have helped us. And so my wife and I want to welcome to our set today, since we're turning into a little Oprah show, uh, a couple that I want you to honor. Would you stand up and give one of the loudest applauses you've ever given to a couple that truly deserves honor in our midst today, Denny and Lisa Valesi. Come on up with me. Come on Vicky, come on up. We have a little blessing to give them. We wanted to bless them. We gave them a very selfish gift. We, we were putting them up a night at La Costa Resort so we can bring them back close to us. I know there's beautiful resorts up in Orange County, but we want them close to us because we love them with all of our heart. Go ahead and be seated. This is so much fun. I feel like it's like the Oprah show today. Like I'm Dave Letterman or something, just not as funny. Anyways, tell it. Tell us a little bit about, you know, the last couple months for you, what God's been doing in your life. I know it's exciting. I know this is week four of Dangerous Church, and this is one of the most dangerous couples around. Jason, do you, can you come grab this and put it on their seat for them? Uh, you know, they're one of the most dangerous couples, and they've had some dangerous adventures the last couple months. I want to hear a little bit about it. Well, first of all, thank you very, very much for that uh, kind welcome and uh, that honorable thing, and thank you to the both of you as well for your love for us, and um, we just are delighted to be here today. Uh, it's been a couple of months now, two or three months. I'm, I'm a little nervous, you know, I got to get going here, so. Um, but for the last couple of months, uh, we have been making a transition uh, to doing some work with, with World Vision, and if you're not um, aware of who World Vision, World Vision is a 60-year-old uh, international Christian humanitarian organization that uh, has uh, made an impact around the world. In fact, it started by a gentleman by the name of Bob Pierce in 60 years ago. He uh, was a contemporary of Billy Graham and Youth for, the old Youth for Christ days, and he got touched uh, by what he saw in Asia, uh, of orphans in Asia, came back, took pictures of these people, came back and said, we need to do something about the orphans in, in Korea that have been created to some degree by American soldiers who had children over there and then just left. And so um, he began that, took pictures, brought pictures back, and, and that began World Vision. Today, World Vision is in 100 countries. Uh, all with indigenous leadership in each of those countries so that uh, the national offices are led by people in those countries. Uh, it's a $2.6 billion a year uh, organization of bringing hands and feet humanitarian uh, love of Christ and being the hands and feet of Christ to communities around the world. And they will serve anybody, uh, but they do it in the name of Jesus. And uh, they've kind of got five areas that they want to do in rebuilding communities. One has to do with education, 
two has to do with water and bringing clean water resources to people, which is a huge problem throughout the, throughout the world. And um, thirdly, it has to do with microfinance, giving people uh, loans that will enable them to begin businesses so they can become self-sufficient with regards to that. Uh, fourth has to do with uh, blah, 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 blah. Something good. Yeah, something good. And the fifth one has to do with being a resource to the local church. And one of the things we just saw evidence of that when we just we were in Ethiopia for two weeks. Uh, we got to, to go there. And uh, in the process of that, we met with some pastors who uh, told us that 10 years ago, there were three believers in this community of 100,000 people. And in the countryside of Ethiopia, which is where 60% of the 60, no, it's 80%. 60 million of the 80 million people live in Ethiopia live in primitive village kinds of situations. And, um, and there there were three believers that they knew, three evangelical believers, and they kind of worshipped in secret. Um, and he says, through the, the kind of goodwill that, uh, that uh, World Vision began to create, it created uh, opportunities to not only hear goodwill, but the good works that they did created goodwill and gave it them opportunities to share the good news. And today there's, uh, 10 years later, 30,000 believers in that community. Churches of 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 people uh, in these countryside kinds of things. 70 churches. And 70 churches have been planted in that particular area. So we, we were excited about that, kind of seeing that that could happen other places. And we went to basically uh, create... Um, a video that we could bring back and tell this story uh, because we, uh, World Vision has asked us to come aboard to enlist churches that will do a very special kingdom assignment uh, that will then raise monies to uh, provide water, clean water, sanitation, hygiene training to half a million people in Ethiopia. So we're, that's kind of what we're uh, getting ready to get on board with. That's what we've been doing and we get to go to Africa as a result of that. And uh, that's a story all in and of itself. I'll let Lisa tell you about that. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I know my wife has a question for you about your Africa trip. <laughs> this feels so staged. Like, <laughs> so I hear you went on a safari. Could you tell us about it? <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to even answer that. Um, well, you know what? I have a great story that kind of leads up to that. Um, we uh, we were at the end of our trip. You know, it's a, it's it's sixty hours in the air that you fly. No, thirty I mean, going there, thirty going back. Sixty hours in the air. Right. You're circling the globe. This is about to turn into marriage counseling. <laughs> this is really the Doctor Phil down show now. Sometime. It takes you thirty hours of flying to yeah. get there, and thirty hours of flying to get back. That clarifies it a little bit more. <laughs> okay. I mean, I guess you're We just kind of flew around there for 60 hours. Can somebody give Denny a calculator? <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, anyway, it's a, um, it's, it's a trip that, you know, you never forget, but it takes a lot of preparation, and we both had to get seven shots, you know, each of, of yellow fever and, uh, gosh, typhoid and hepatitis A and B and all the different things that kind of set you up for that. And there were a lot of things, you know, that – just in preparation of that. Start so growing a third eye right in the middle. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Cream helped get her. It's gone. <laughs> feeling, I'm feeling more relaxed. <laughs> I guess so. Please. <laughs> I, I need to get one train of thought. And now I okay? think we're the Jerry Springer show. <laughs> I know. I, I, I can pick up this chair, knock it over your head. <laughs> anyway, where was I? Um, so, uh, it, it, you know, it's a huge preparation. But to, uh, you know, they, we got to go to these uh, villages where they're the driest places in the world. And that has been our dream to have this um, liquidate for living water where people would sell something and um, give the money to this project that we're doing to bring about um, wells, clean wells. So we got to go to the clean wells, and those were amazing experiences. And then we got to walk with the kids to the dirty wells, where there is—it's just filthy. It's you know, it it 
there's everything you can possibly think of. It's where they feed their animals. There's feces right there, right next to the water that they, you know, are drinking out of. And it's very emotional. And everywhere you stop, there's 30 kids that run up to your car. And they're just, you know, smiling. And, um, you know, I, I taught them how to say I love you. And they were all, you know, saying I love you. And I, I, I would say I love you and you and you and you and you and you. And we, we got to go to the schools and... I got to do little dance classes with some of the kids and stuff like that. But I would hear them in the villages. I would hear this, you, 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 you. <laughs> I'd be like, I, I, you know, they would, they would, that's what their little thing. And then I'd, I'd roll down the window and they'd be going, you, 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 I love you, I love you. I, yeah, it was awesome. It was awesome. And so those aspects and, and the different things we experienced, um, there's, you know, no running water. I think it was 60 uh, there's there's 80 million people in Ethiopia, and 60 million of those live in, you know, they don't have any running water, no restrooms, nothing like that. So th we, at the end, there was this opportunity to take a safari. I really didn't want to go. I was pretty full up. I really felt like I had all the experience, but this had already been planned, and there was really no getting out of it. And so um, we had to drive for 10 hours on a road that was like this. And um, I wasn't a happy camper, and I was like, we really didn't need to do this, but oh well. So about the eighth hour, I said, stop the car. I said, I have the worst headache. Just all of a sudden, I got this horrible, horrible headache. And um, really, you know, you, you say you're out in the middle of nowhere, but like you'll stop and 30 kids will be around you, like I said. But this was really nowhere. There was, no, you know, nothing before it, nothing after it. And so they pulled over the car real fast, and Denny got out, and there was a child laying on the side of the road. And um, he was, um, we got an interpreter over there with him, and we brought him some water, and he was crying. And he had been walking for two and a half days with no water. And he believed that he had malaria, and he was trying to get to this uh, health center to be able to get some, um, you know, medication for, for that. And um, it was, um, he really, it was very hard to see him. He was kind of, you know, laying there just in the rocks. And we got him some water and some food. And I just totally fell apart. And I said, we are not leaving this child here. I mean, in America, people would be put in prison if, you know, the parents would be put in prison for letting, you know, their child, you know, walk for two days without water. But it's just the way life is there. And so he, um, you know, he had a fever and so we waited and waved down a truck that was coming by going the other way because we had just passed the health clinic. We'd come four hours of driving, and it was going to be another two and a half days for him to get there. So we asked this driver if he would take him to the health clinic, and they did. And I handed him off a scripture, and we just we gave him some money to be able to get home, and um, he loaded up into this truck. But it was a um, very emotional and an incredible experience. And just in that, what a reminder it is that no matter how rocky the road is, we're always where we're supposed to be. And to really realize in that moment, I mean, if we had not, if, if God had not given me that headache at that moment and for us to pull over right then and to assist that boy, he may have died right there. And we're, you're, you know, just, it's such a great illustration that you, we're all in the midst of this craziness, and why am I here, and, you know, this was a huge mistake, and then how God will prove himself and show his ways. Um, there's a, <laughs> there were a lot of those people. <laughs> um, there's a kid with an Obama shirt on. Um, this little girl here. She is carrying, a, it's about 50 pounds, and I tried to lift it, and it, it, I couldn't even, I could lift it maybe two inches off the ground, and they're very used to it. We interviewed a little girl in the Dirty Water site during this documentary, and I said, you know, how many times do you go to get water? And she said, four times, three to four times, and I went, I said, in a week? And she said, no, a day, and, you know, I mean, the very little schooling that they get, she, I mean, most of them don't have shoes. Um, they had to make it. She held my hand. She had about a 25-pound. It was heavy for me to lift. Second grade. Second grader. 
and she, you know, I held her hand all the way up, and she carried this water on her back. She wouldn't let go of my hands, and, you know, you've got 30 kids around you, you know, just, you know, wanting to just, you know, have this kind of moment, and it's, it, it's so, it, it was exciting for us to be able to do this documentary, to bring it home to America, and to show, you know, the, um, the American churches, how little it would take for us to, to have this. And um, Can you describe uh, how we can get involved? Like if we want to get behind you and what you're doing, I know you're in sure. a campaign and a project right now. Sure. Well, it is essentially, and let me just say, the average African woman in Ethiopia lives in the countryside, walks somewhere between four and eight hours a day to get water for her children, for her household. And that water in about 80% of the time is filthy, contaminated, causing acute water diseases that take lives. So something like one out of every eight children um, in, in Africa die of, of a water-related disease before their first birthday. And, um, and so it is still, I mean, it's hard to imagine that there are places in the world where this is mm. the case and that are so preventable and we have, in fact, one of the things that I noticed, and, and I'm sorry to, but the last day I was looking out at the beauty of Africa. Mm. And I realized, you know what? In every place that you look that God has created, it's beautiful. There are lakes and mountains and trees that are just exactly the same as they would be here in America. Just absolutely gorgeous. Just gorgeous. The difference is the things that man has made or not made, and the infrastructure that's there and is not there that has been created. And it hit me that Jesus said, you know, the poor you're going to have with you always. And then the other thing he said was, uh, you know, to whom much is given, much is expected. And we think of that only in terms of the church sometimes. But I think that God is using people who are faithful to make a difference in the world. And in particular, are we going to be faithful to our brothers and sisters around the world to make a difference in their life so that they see the hands and feet of Christ, that the gospel makes a real difference in their life today as well as in eternity? And those are the challenges before us um, in this way. There's lots of challenges here. There's, this is another one. This is just another one. What we're doing is enlisting churches to say, would we consider doing a kingdom assignment like we did a year ago where we asked people, we built it around the encounter that Jesus had with a rich young ruler to sell something in their possession and to give that money to the poor. And in this case, we're asking churches to make the poor this particular project. We want to enlist as many churches as we can to do this kingdom assignment, raise a million dollars that will essentially be matched by a million dollars of a foundation to provide clean water, sanitation, and hygiene education for half a million people in Ethiopia in the countryside. So that's, that's the things that we're, that we're doing. We, um, this event that we plan on doing, you know, across uh, America is to do a kingdom, assi kingdom assignment too, uh, where you would sell something that would be, uh, you know, something of significance or something that you could sell, bring the monies to an event that this church could have. Um, and uh, we, with the ministry that we've ha I've had um, with American Idol for the last five years to bring in one of those kids to do this event, so it would be kind of a citywide event outreach to the community. And then um, as they leave, um, they would uh, pick up a sponsor child from Ethiopia. Uh, we now have seven sponsor children. We couldn't help ourselves. and um, we, we couldn't help ourselves. <laughs> They're so cute. And uh, we, we got one for each one of our grandchildren, and then we picked up a few while we were there and things like that. But uh, if you go to our website, goservesomeone.org, you can sponsor an uh, Ethiopian um, uh, child through there. And uh, it's really amazing, you know, with $35 a month, what they're able to accomplish for the family. We, we went to a place where uh, the, a couple had lost uh, two children to dirty water. And uh, just the experience that they had with that, where they woke up in the middle of the night in a hut where there's no light. I had to leave their three children there alone. 
um, and walk for two and a half hours to get their sick child to a doctor to get medication, and on the way home, this baby died. And they had to keep walking on the way home with this baby that had died. And um, the grandfather actually held the baby, and he didn't tell the family that the baby had died until they actually got home. And um, the children were there, and just, you know, the grieving and everything that it, just any mother would have to go through. And uh, just the different experiences that some of these people have that she taught me so much about trust because I asked her during this interview that we had filmed, I said, you know, how did do you go on? How did, how did you... How do you continue? Is there a lot of fear? Because they're still having dirty water. They still use dirty water. Um, what do you do in regards with your children? And um, she said, I absolutely trust that God is in control. <laughs> I was like, whoa. I mean, for her to be, you know, so much fear, um, for her to understand and to trust God, it just absolutely took me to the next level of hearing that. She taught me so much. And it, you've got little three-year-olds. They're out in the middle of, seriously, it looks, there is no adults anywhere, and they are herding about eight cows, and it's a three-year-old. It's, it's really crazy, and we, you know, that seems fearful to me. That's normal for them. You know, us, you know, we can't let our kids out of the house to go down to the playground by themselves. And so it's, it's just very different fears that we're dealing with. But um, I, I don't know how to naturally kind of tie this in. But. So the solution being the ministry you guys are really highlighting is building water wells, right? Right. Water, water wells that are... And then also the educational piece of the sanitation. Right. The That's average, the average water well. I didn't know this. The water, average well lasts about seven years if it's kept well. I didn't realize. That. I thought once you dig a well, it's there forever, and uh, that's not the case. But w wells can be contaminated in a matter of a few months if they're if they're not secluded, if they're not guarded, if they're not protected, and they virtually don't mean anything if people don't learn hygiene personal hygiene and that is one of the things you just discover in this process that people just don't understand I mean you want to go to schools and kids are defecating out on the out on the playground uh, which is a basically an empty because that's normal to them uh, washing their hands before and after certain activities they, they don't understand they don't practice so um, these are things that they want to teach not only sponsored kids but families and entire communities and that's the, the commitment I know one of the things my wife said a couple weeks ago uh, was we were talking about, you know, when you look at all the need of the world, like we're listening to today, you can get overwhelmed. How did you how did you say that a couple weeks ago about what we can do? I don't really remember. I just you can all do something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's just what I believe with myself, you know, like looking, it is very easy to get overwhelmed. You know, it, it's sometimes just watching the news is overwhelming. And when you really start looking at what the world is like, it's like, wow, how did this happen? And, you know, we believe that we're little people, you know. No matter, like, where we are in life, we believe that we can't make a great impact. But making a difference in one person's life is life or death for them. What bigger impact could you make saving somebody their life? And... So you can't do everything, but you could do something. We all have something. Right. A after about eight days there, I, you know, it's it's very confusing when you get to a third world country. You're like, hello, people. We've got this figured out in America. Why can't this, hasn't this been brought over here? But I, about the eighth day, I remember saying, I cannot, we cannot fix Africa. We, you know, we just cannot fix Africa, but we can make a difference. Right. And it's exactly what you were saying. Well, I mean, you're dealing with, like, I remember, I've only been there once, and it was in South Africa, which is not exactly as bad as the rest of it. And I can't imagine what the rest is like, no. you know, just no. seeing the villages that we saw there. And it's, yeah. you're not dealing with people that have the opportunity that we have. So you have to bring, you not only can, do you have to bring a different gospel because they don't understand, you know, yeah. you have to bring like the simplicity of Jesus, but it's the same thing with the simplicity of life is yeah. you're dealing with people that are completely uneducated, yeah. completely. Yeah. They don't, I mean, they have beliefs that to us, we would be like, what? Like just their, the, 
one of the major problems with the widespread of AIDS is that because somebody told them, if you have intercourse with a virgin, it'll cure you of AIDS. Yeah. So we have this mass epidemic of AIDS because you're dealing with people that only know what they're told. And if they've never been told these things, they just don't know. And to us, that that seems like yeah. crazy. We're like, what? There's, you know, I mean, because, because we're educated in different ways. But, I mean, you're dealing with people that don't, right. they don't know. Now, one, one thing, I'm sorry. No. One thing that's really exciting about World Vision, too, is we, again, we'd be in the middle of what would feel like nowhere, and there would be a World Vision sign. And um, on the sign would be talking about AIDS. It would be talking about breastfeeding your children. All these things that they're, and they're really, they're de the whole AIDS issue is really declining yeah. because of the education. Of and World Vision is doing that education in, in, um, in Africa. And it's when amazing. we were talking with that, cup, that family, I'll never forget the father, you know, tears running down his face, his wife, as they're talking about their child. And they heard that we were going to be involved with bringing a clean water well here. And he says, you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. You are God's gift mm -hmm. to us and to our neighbors and to this community. I went, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. You say you bring us hope. You bring us hope. That it, water brings hope. It and does. In fact, it there's water a sign is everything. We, saw, we talked to the gal who headed up there. She says, water is life. And the realization that, you know, that by liquidating some of the stuff that we have, that we can bring life today, tomorrow, and for eternity, living yeah, and that, that's something I think as a church we need to get behind. I mean, there's a lot of people in our congregation today that may not have money to give. But I think every one of us has something of value that we could sell, that we could live without to help somebody who has nothing. And I think as a church we need to, we need to get behind this. And we need, we need to set a time where, where I want all of you to begin to pray about it. I know we've got a couple things that... We are trying to sell he for ourselves you, personally. You had a lot of things. Yeah, I have, I have a feeling. I have a service. feeling too that he's already like. Yeah, I've already volunteered my wife. Yeah, why you weren't here? He already knows what they You're are. You're selling no, her you know stuff, not my stuff. There's this, and you know, it's funny. Every time we talk about this, he's like, "Well, we could sell that," and I'm like, "No." Please, no. And it's funny because it's still sitting in storage because we have no room for it. And wow. it's my favorite oh, yeah. table. I have this table. I know that's really silly to hold on no, to. No, I, I have that's it That's what you're too. thinking. You're like, oh, we can sell that table. <laughs> and I will yeah, sell was, my it table. It was an expensive dining table that was given to us. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to give it up for Amanda. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I'm willing to give it up Just don't ask me to sell my iPad. <laughs> to help, you but, know, right. a child live through. In all seriousness, we all have something we can do. And I think we all need to do something. I want, I want, as a church, let's begin to pray about what we can give. And in a couple of weeks, we'll set an offering day where we can all either sell it and bring the money or we could maybe have a big garage sale here or something. But I think as a church, we need to get behind. Number one, we need to get behind Denny to honor him because of our gratefulness to him. And that's, that's first and foremost. But number two, he's doing something that's worthy. He's doing something that definitely deserves us getting behind, irregardless, or excuse me, regardless of Denny being involved. Um, we need to get behind what, he, what he's doing because it's a, it's a great cause that we can support as a church. And so we want to do that. I know Denny's got a very short message to share with us. It was a promise you folks. It was only five to ten minutes, but yes, yes, I, I, I we're, yes, yes. Yeah, the first service uh, I asked, and, and, you know, God is doing a lot in their life right now, but one of the big challenges they have, and you know, what I love about being a part of a church is we don't have to be perfect. You know, we all come in here with different challenges and different things we're dealing with, and, and even those of us that aren't staged, by any means, we're nowhere near close to being perfect or ever were, but you have a lot of challenges with your parents, right? And tell us, and, and I know a lot of people here know what's going on, but would you share a little bit about the situation with your parents and what we can do to stand in partnership with you in prayer? Right. Um, not a, we kind of have a reality show going on in our own home, um, not only because of what's going on with our folks, and I'll share about that, but um, we have this ministry with American Idol, and um, there are kids living with us, their families that are, that are living with us right now. And this, um, I, I'm sharing this because it's amazing how in the, the middle of a secular book, there's a chapter about our story um, and what God actually, you know, brought to us. Um, and it's called The Pastor. And this guy from the LA Times came out and interviewed us for about 20 hours and um, 
told the story. It's, it's kind of my story about what I've been through the last 10 years with the clown falling on my head. You'll have to read the book to find out. And, um, but it, 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 it tells the story of me being able, you know, how the, the ministry came to me and being able to pass on these Jeremiah 2911 bracelets to several of the, the girls and, and, and the, um, them being able to wear them all the way to the end and, and just the scripture, Jeremiah 29:11, how it's really carried through this chapter. And uh, it's just kind of a, a real interesting time for us because the attention that this book is, has brought um, with that. But the great Christian kid, one, his name's Colton Dixon. He got the boot last week. He was uh, made the top 40, and then he was one of the last three that ended up getting. And he is an amazing follower of Christ, and he has had an incredible ministry there. And he, he, his, he and his family are living with us right now, and uh, a lot of exciting things going on with him. So follow Colton Dixon, M. Colton Dixon at Twitter, and uh, find out what's going on with him. He was just at the conference at Saddleback. But um, the other reality show that's going on in our life is our, all four of our parents are having health issues. And um, my dad, he broke his hip on July 4th, and then he had a stroke um, on Thanksgiving and um, Thanksgiving weekend. And uh, it's been a huge recovery for him. It was, you know, you, we all thought that he was going to die from it, and he didn't. And he's now recovering, and it's really hard for him. And if you have any family that have had strokes, it's, um, you, you know, he's pretty healthy. So he's living kind of in this nightmare of his, of being able to train. You know, he can't, he can speak, but it's in a whisper because one side of his vocal cords is paralyzed. And, you know, they're supposed to hit each other and one side doesn't work. And I was saying that, you know, it's, it's kind of, you know, crazy. I'll, I'll, you know, he'll go, come here. I'll get really close to him, and I'll put my hand on his chest. I go, what, Dad, what is it that you want to say? And he'll say, I'm in torture. <laughs> I want to die. Can I please die? And it's, you know, in this, and I'm like, but that is turned around. And I know it has a lot to do with your prayers. You know, he now is, I want to live. And uh, my mom has a lot of mental issues. She has for years, and now she has dementia really bad. And because my dad's in a rehab, she thinks he's gone. And so we'll take her to a restaurant, and she goes around to everybody in the, in the, you know, saying, I've lost my husband, and I'm looking for a younger man. She goes around <laughs> telling everybody, yeah, she's 88. And um, I'll let Denny share a little bit, but his dad has Alzheimer's, so, yeah. So you know. we're going through with that. My dad's now... In this place where he recognizes me, my sisters, but he doesn't know, doesn't remember our names, can't, doesn't know sometimes if like we're his son or his daughters. Uh, it's just this strange time, and we're we've had our parents for, I mean, it's remarkable that we could be our age and have all of our parents living. Um, but by the same token, it is we're going we're going through all this, and it just so happens that this kind of began at the end of our time here. At coastline which is again God's timing has been to set apart this season for some other things and uh, God has brought you a pastor and his wife to to lead you even through this this new season that's that's exciting we're we're so we we are huge believers in you guys yeah. I mean we're huge and so we're so happy well, for the church well, one, one of the you. things in the first service that I felt the Lord really wanted us to pray for was you know with Alzheimer's it's very difficult you know, to, to have somebody you love so dearly who doesn't know who you are. And I really felt God wanted to pray that, that God will supernaturally give Denny one more day with his father, not physically, but mentally, that God will somehow supernaturally allow his dad's faculties to come back at least for one day so that at least for one more day, his dad will know who Denny is and he can have his father in the room with him, not just... Uh, a physical body, but his actual father mentally and physically with him. And as a church, I want us to begin to pray for that and believe for that. I, I know uh, uh, medically, a lot of people say it's not possible, but how I many know with God, all things are possible. That's right. And we can supernaturally believe that God will do a miracle in the situation. And we know that part of life is our physical bodies break down. But we can pray that God will uh, slow that deterioration down, that God will reverse some of it, strengthen it, so that they can enjoy you know, the, 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 the remaining years until God calls them home. Because uh, we know our days are numbered. We don't, we don't hide that fact. And we know one day God will bring us to heaven. 
and we expect that, and heaven is the prize for us as believers. And so I think as a church, we just need to stretch out our hands right now and pray over them and believe God for a couple supernatural things specifically uh, through this situation. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we pray for a supernatural miracle in this situation, Lord. Specifically for Denny, Father, give him one more day with his father, mentally and physically. One more day where his father knows him, remembers him, God. We believe that in the name of Jesus that you're going to do that. We stand here and we claim it by faith. By faith, Father. I pray right now for both of their parents, Lord, for the, for the physical tear deterioration of life, God, that you will slow it down and reverse it in some instances. God, that you would ease the pain, ease the suffering, Lord. God, we know our days are numbered, and we know that they will one day be with you, Father, as all of us will one day be with you. But Lord, let them enjoy the remaining years. Let them not have to go through the suffering that others go through, God. But begin to do something physically and all four of their parents, Lord, mentally, physically, begin to let a healing occur. And most of all, give Denny and Lisa a peace and a strength right now. For your word says, when we've done it to the least of them, we've done it unto you. So above Denny and Lisa serving mom and dad, they're serving Jesus. And let them realize every time they're with their parents, they're not just looking in the eyes of their parents, but they're looking in the eyes of Jesus physically. Because your word says, when we go to those that are sick, when we go to those that are in need, when we go to those in the hospitals, we're going to Jesus. So their parents are Jesus. So Father, let them serve as if it's Jesus. Beyond the love they have for their parents, let them serve with the love they have for you, Father. Because you love them. They are your precious, precious children. Powerful, powerful God. Amen. We have a few minutes left, so as Jerry Springer says, it's time for the final thought, uh, which we're going to have Pastor Denny bring to us this morning. <laughs> My favorite show. He didn't know that he watches Jerry Springer uh, here at the office. Jerry Springer. Once again, let me just say how uh, grateful I am uh, to be here. Thank you for your reception. You know, God's timing is perfect. We don't often recognize it at the time. Sometimes the clearest perspective we have is looking back. And, um, and when I look back... I realized how important it was for me to be a part of this congregation these last two years. And uh, the timing was, um, was critical. I got a phone call probably the first week of December in 2008. Um, a man by the name of Mike Livingston called me and he said, uh, would you be willing to meet with a group of elders from a church down south of you, um, who've just gone through a real difficult time at a, at a church. Church has built a building, gone through a lot of people leaving, and uh, the pastor has left, and the staff has left, and it's, 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 it's pretty bleak right now. Uh, would you be willing to meet with them? And I said, well, uh, what's the name? Where is it? And he told me it was in Carlsbad. And I said, well, uh, what's the name of the church? And he said, well, the name of the church is coastline community church and I went oh crud I guess I'm supposed to do this and that doesn't mean anything to you but it meant something to me because I was the senior pastor for founding and senior pastor of Coast Hills Community Church for 20 years and a church broke off from us and started uh, and their their name is Crossline and I thought oh boy Coast Hills Crossline Coastline I guess I'm supposed to go on this <laughs> deal and I remember walking into the cafe at about 7 o'clock and, and seeing what was left of the elders, and they looked like someone, they looked like deer caught in a headlight. You know, they just kind of were like this, and I guess it had been quite a while since they'd been that way. Um, and um, they shared with me what the church had gone through in the last 
month or two. And, um, and really we're considering at that time um, handing this facility over to one or two other churches in the community because they didn't think that they could last a year. And um, the church was in turmoil, in a lot of pain. Uh, they lost their pastor whom they loved and at the same time uh, were angry at a whole bunch of things. And I'm reminded, uh, you know, the church isn't always a beautiful bride. <laughs> and I had to say that to them that night and probably several other times. But um, somehow I got pulled into that situation. He said, would you be willing to meet with us and help us kind of go through this period and provide some sense of normal on a, on a Sunday morning so we kind of have some time to get through this. And that's how it started. And over the course of the next year, we just kind of went there. And it was hard. And um, But over the course of about a year, I began to realize that that healing was taking place. And um, you grew on me. <laughs> and uh, I just want you to know how uh, much I will treasure the time, the, the two years that I got to spend at Coastline Community Church. In fact, I tell you that you will always be in my heart. And I've told the elders and I've told uh, your pastor that if there's ever a time that you you need anything that I might have to lend to this situation, just give me a call, and I will, I will be there. Um, you're a part of my heart, Lisa's heart, and our lives uh, for the rest of our days. And as such, I just felt like I wanted to share something from my heart to you and just in, um, in, in, this, in this time, and it really comes from, from the Apostle Paul. He says, I thank my God every time I remember you. All my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy, and I do. pray for you often, and I pray for your pastor and his wife often. And he says, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And it is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. Well, that's my heart for you. You know, I believe that uh, God takes us through all kinds of seasons. I've told you that time and time again, that life is a series of seasons. And there are seasons of our life that are glorious and there are seasons of our lives that are the pits that are that we find ourselves in a wilderness and God takes us sometimes through a wilderness to get us to the promised land and there are lessons to be learned there lessons in the wilderness that we virtually don't learn anyplace else because it seems in the wilderness God has more of our attention doesn't it in your life just like in the church, when God gets our attention, is kind of when we're out of control. And, um, and Paul says, in light of that, and first of all, I, wanted to, you know, I want to remind you, it's not your church. You may attend here, you may be a part of it, but it's not your church. It's his church. And he's promised the gates of hell will not prevail against us. We get to be a part of what God is doing. And I want you to never forget that. Because God isn't done with this place. God is not done with these people. He's simply taking you through a season and prepared you for what's coming. And the best is yet to come. It already is a whole lot better in three months than it was three months ago. Now, that comes with change. 
And that comes with some angst for some of you. And it comes, it's good. God is doing something in you and through you. And as real, this is what I want. Paul says, and as such, this is my prayer. And this is my prayer for you. He mentions three things. Number one, he says, this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. And he's talking about a love for him, for God. That your love for God will abound. And that your love for the things that God loves will abound. And the words that I want you to circle there is that your love may abound more and more. You know, some of us, we get to the stage where we've been following Christ for a long time. We want, we're ready to do less and less. <laughs> we're ready to kind of just get by. We're ready to kind of coast. I'm ready to coast in some ways. My wife is saying, no. <laughs> I don't want your less and less of your love. I want more and more of your love. I want you to learn how to love me more and more. And something you said this morning, Pastor, was... It isn't trying harder. It's loving him more and more, allowing him to live in us. But more and more, more and more. David, I've been reading in Psalm 41 or 40, and David says that doing something for you and bringing something to you, that's not what you're after. Being religious and acting pious, that's not what you're asking for. You've opened my ears so that I can listen. So I've answered, I'm coming. I read your letter, in your letter, what you wrote about me, and I'm coming to the party that you're throwing for me. You know what David's saying there? He's saying, I get it. It isn't what I do for you that brings you joy. It's giving me, giving you more of me that gives you joy. More and more. More and more. That's my prayer for you, Paul says, that your love for God and for the things that God loves would grow more and more. Here's the second one. He says, this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ. You know what he's saying there? He says, I want you to love me and learn to love me and give your, bound, your love to abound more and more so that you can become better and better. Better and better. Or more and more like Jesus. Pure and blameless. That your motives become increasingly pure. That your desire to please him would become greater and greater. That the way in which you live your life would be an attraction for those who are seeking after God. More and more. So that you could become better and better. And then he goes on to say, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. You know what he's talking about here? He's saying that you become, that you love more and more so that you can be better and better, that you can be filled over and over and over again with the very spirit of Jesus who produces in you a fruit that has a harvest for yourself and through yourself for everyone around you, a fruit of righteousness that displays itself as love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And not just for yourselves, although that's a gift in and of itself. But God wants to do this both in us and through us. And not just in Ethiopia. Across the street, around the block, 
over at the school, at your office. See, this church is a loving church. But I want to challenge you to let this love get outside these walls and permeate this community. And in doing so, bring glory to God and blessing to others and joy to yourselves. See, the best is yet to come. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for the privilege of being a member of Coastline Community Church, of having this ministry and these people grab my heart and my wife's heart in different ways throughout the course of these two years to recognize that this was no mistake. This was a kingdom assignment. And Lord, uh, we lift up to you Pastor Aaron, his wife, Amanda, we ask blessings on them that you would nurture and develop and strengthen them, that you grow them up ways in which you would have them to lead and to model what it means to follow after Jesus. And Lord, I pray for this congregation that you would find them faithful in every way, that their desire would be to love you and the things that you love more and more so that they could become better and better and over and over and over and over again fill them with the Holy Spirit in such a way that it produces a fruit that lasts for today and tomorrow and for all eternity. And may it not just be for them, but for this community that abounds around them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, church, we're a little over time than we normally commit to being out by, but we're here today to honor and celebrate a couple that has given their life, and in a few minutes, we're going to have a reception uh, for them with some cake. I want you all to join. Let them know how much you love them, but we're going to close differently. If everyone just would stand with me as we close. There's people in the building today that you need a special prayer over your life. You know, something, I know we, we covered a variety of subjects today and a variety of different things. And at the core of it, it's to love Jesus more and more, to get more and more of Jesus. I don't know what situation you're dealing with. I'm going to ask the worship team to do one song in closing. And as we sing and as we worship God in closing, if you need a special prayer, maybe you do make a decision to follow Jesus Christ for the first time. Accept the gift of salvation today. Every week we ask people, those that want to make a decision to serve Christ, to follow Christ, we'll give you a chance to come and pray a prayer with us. Or maybe you just need a special prayer over your life, a special blessing. Maybe you're facing a struggle or a mountain. I'm going to ask my wife and Denny and Lisa and some of the elders and prayer team to come down with me this morning. And if you need a special prayer, just walk up during the song. We're going to pray for you quickly. Pray that God's blessing over your life. See that God moves in your life, and we're going to stand with you for that. I just want to be a church that we're about praying, and we're about supporting, and we're about loving one another. And I just know there's some people in here today that it's more important that you get prayed for this morning. And if that means I let everybody out a little bit later than usual, that's okay. I can handle that as a pastor, but I want to make sure you get the prayer you need before we close today. And we don't do this every week. But I do believe there's some people that need a special prayer. So as the worship team sings, if you need a special prayer for your life, come down. Denny and Lisa will be here. My wife, myself will be here. Some of the elders and prayer team will be here. Just come down, and we'd like to pray with you.